This is Uncontrolled Airspace Daily, episode 402 Alpha from the Sun and Fun Fly in 2016. Uh, I'm here with David. Hi, David. Afternoon, Jack. And we're standing out here uh, in the midst of the exhibit areas, right out in front of uh, Exhibit Hangar A. Um, it's a happening. It's Wednesday afternoon, and it's a happening day here at the Sun the and Air, Fun Fly. The air show's going on behind us. Yep. And uh, and we're standing here with a, a longtime friend, uh, Adam Smith. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. So uh, we first met you. You uh, we, we, back in the days when you were still at EAA, and uh, we were working on the newspaper, and uh, we've all moved on since then. But uh, uh, you've been involved in a lot of things, and now these days you work with CAF now. I am with the Commemorative Air Force. That's right. Yep. Um, so uh, how's that all going? It's going great. The CAF is a, a fast-growing organization right now. It's interesting. As you, as you guys know, my previous two jobs were with EAA and with AOPA, and spent a lot of time, you know, working with the pilot community. And, and truthfully, a lot of the a lot of your mentality is, man, we're shrinking, and you know, how do we how do we hold this aviation thing up? And and as soon as I started working with the CAF, it was like night and day. Suddenly, I'm working in a totally different dynamic, which it, I think it's because the CAF, it, while pilots, you know, assemble around the organization and come to air shows and things like that, really our audience is the people of the United States of America. So I find myself working a lot more directly with the general public than I did in any of my previous jobs. And, and I found that really, really inspiring. and and. I think if there's a role that CAF can play for aviation, actually, it's to sort of bring people in, you know, get them enthusiastic about aviation when actually they don't know anything about it. And um, we find a, you know, we we've, we find a lot of growth in recent years by just sort of connecting these incredibly neat airplanes that we've got with an educational mission. Uh, so we're trying really hard to use the airplanes to have people understand what they signify and what they represent. And, the, and, and there's also, there's a bit of an entertainment value thing about the CAF. Um, even if you don't know what a P-51 stands for, just to see it fly by, is a, it's a neat, cool looking, sounding thing. And so I think that sort of show business entertainment aspect of the CAF is something we don't want to shy away from. We actually want to embrace and, and bring in sort of that with education and history and, uh, and everything together. That, that's, where, that's where we're coming from right now. Very cool. Well, speaking of airplanes and education, uh, when we talked at Oshkosh last July, you guys were just getting rolling on a uh, That's All Brother project, the C-47 that led the D-Day invasion. Can you bring us up to speed on how that's proceeding? I certainly can. Um, I think when we talked at Oshkosh, we had, we had just uh, done a Kickstarter campaign, which was very successful, and that got us a good amount of money that allowed us... Um, in, in August, we went and actually did the deal and acquired the airplane. Um, since August, the airplane has been at Basler turbo conversions in Oshkosh, and it's been getting, uh, we're seeing the restoration as a two-phase restoration. So phase one, which is where we're at right now, is what we're calling heavy engineering. So we've got to go really deep into the airplane. Uh, corro a lot of corrosion treatment has been outside for a long time, a lot of corrosion to fix. There's, um, there's re you know, we've got 70-year-old wiring in the airplane. We want to get it to a point where we can reliably operate it for several several decades. So we're going deep, um, and sometime later this year, maybe um, maybe just after Oshkosh, something like that, um, we'll fly probably fly the airplane away, probably to Dallas, and we'll do phase two of the restoration, which is the more historic stuff, where we will install all of the historic equipment 
repaint the airplane, get it looking incredibly authentic uh, as it did on D-Day. So it's, um, you know, like, like most aircraft restorations, it's turning out more expensive than maybe we hoped. So I got some fundraising to do this year and, you know, we'll be doing a little bit more stuff over the summer to try and, uh, you know, keep, keep that, uh, fun, keep the funds coming in. But I, I absolutely guarantee, guys, we are going to get that airplane to Normandy in 2019 to lead um, the, the, the commemorations of the 75th anniversary of D-Day. We will be there. And you just jumped ahead of what was yeah. going to be my next question. You guys still shooting for 2019? Yeah, if I got to drag it there myself, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's swimming schools. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, we, I mean, basically... Um, you know, in, in, if I just put this in financial terms, we think it's probably going to be a two million dollar restoration to get everything done. We've we've me. we've raised a million, so you know, we're, we're, it's, it's with the support. Well the support has been tremendous, but we've still got we've still got some some work to do yet. Yeah. Can you? What were some of the things you found? I mean, a lot of people who listen are, are aircraft people and you know mechanic people and restoration people. They might be interested to hear what some of the issues are. The, the number one issue we found was that was. Um, well, as you, as you guys know, if you're being responsible about an aircraft acquisition, you try and do a pre-purchase inspection. You try and find out as much as you can before you get into something, right? So we did that. We sent uh, a, a, someone who really knew the C-47, went all through the airplane before we even... So we thought we knew everything. And we, and we knew there were a bunch of issues, right? The one thing we didn't know that we didn't come up in the pre-purchase was that over the life of the aircraft, they'd installed sort of a, an interior skin, um, so they'd, they'd metalized the interior and what they'd done is trapped between the inner skin and the outer skin there was a layer of insulation and over the years that had been trapping moisture and and had been corroding the airplane from the inside out so that was probably there's probably three or four hundred thousand dollars of labor time in fixing that issue which we didn't turn up so you know th those are the kinds of things that you learn some of the other things like the wiring etc we knew we knew that going in you know we knew we'd have to overhaul the engines etc etc oh, yeah, so original stuff was all cotton yeah. insulated it's been a great it's been a great project in terms of you know the, the um it we're trying to acquire all of the parts to all of the historic parts to to make it a really authentic airplane. And it's it's always fun when you get hold of something you know that you really that you really need. One of the um, we, we're doing a an exhibit uh, with with the EAA. Uh, when you go to Oshkosh next, you'll see in the Eagle Hangar at EAA they're, they're displaying our nose art collection. So the the CAF owns more nose art than than exists in the whole of the rest of the world put together. We have 34 original panels that were cut from World War II bombers. And they're being displayed at EAA, and as part of that relationship, we were our curator was there, and he, he noticed in the collection of the EAA Museum was a very rare um, thing called a, a Rebecca receiver. So they had, in, in D-Day, they had like a, an IFF system, identification friend and foe. And so that we, we were able to get that from the EAA. They kindly kindly donated it to oh, us. So great. yeah, so stuff like that is always is always a, a boost when you when you get it. Can you tell us a little bit about CAF's presence here this week at Sun and Fun? Yeah, the big asset we've got here this week is uh, our B-17. We have we have two B-17s there, and Texas Raiders is here. So. Um, that's um, that's that's a great thing. We did a wonderful flight this morning with some World War II veterans, and of course, that's very moving. We had one B-17 veteran who hadn't flown on the airplane since World War II to get him back in the sky. You know how moving is that? Um, amazing thing. 
Yeah, so that, that, that's tremendous. And we've also got the Red Tail Squadron here. Um, so we, um, we have the, the touring exhibit. And earlier I was saying about a lot of the success of the CAF is about marrying education with our airplanes. And I think the Red Tail Squadron, is, everybody in the CAF will recognize they've done the best job of all. Over the last five years, they've been touring a, um, a mobile movie theater around the country with, with a P-51 Mustang. So the movie theaters here will, have, will send several thousand people through it this year. How many individual CAF wings are operating around the country? We have uh, 60 units and we're located in 26 states. Wow. Uh, there's a very active unit or wing in uh, Wichita. That's right. With yep. uh, two airplanes and aspirations for a third. Right. So keeping the, uh, keeping the bills paid and the maintenance up is always one of their big, big challenges. Uh, how could people help CA up in their individual wings out if they so chose? Uh, well, first of all, if you want to find out where your individual, where your nearest wing is, we do, if you go to commemorativeairforce.org, we've got a little unit finder on there. And by the way, what, if, if there isn't a unit in your area, we are about to embark upon a growth initiative where our, our goal will be to have a, a CAF unit in every state. Um, so we're we're uh, we're going to be moving forward with that plan. Nice, yeah. Um, but so you can you can connect, you know, you can find out who your local wing is. You can th their contact details or their website or their Facebook page will be will be um, will be linked from there. And then how would someone, if, if a group was somewhere where there wasn't a wing, how would they go about working with you guys to start one? Um, they can contact us. They can contact us through the website. What well, the the basic requirement to start a new CAF unit is uh, to assemble 15 CAF members in your local area. Um, over the years, we've just found that it's a, you need a base of you need a base of members, and we can help you identify. We can, you know tell you who's already already there and start linking things together. But the things that the thing that tends to get a new unit started is someone has an idea of, a, of an airplane that they want and. We've been doing some work to identify what are really good starter airplanes for CAF units. So things like the PT series um, and Stearman in particular, really good starter airplanes for CAF units. That's how the Jayhawk wing started, was with a PT-23. Right. Then they got their hands on a UC-78 and restored it there at uh, Westport Airport. Yeah. And that became a two-airplane wing, two wing. One of the members now owns a, uh, a T-6. And... He's keeping it in their hangar, and he's doing the maintenance, and it's eventually going to be, if not a CAF airplane, at least capable of going out and helping show the variety with them when they take their hangar and their uh, mobile PX on the road. Yeah. Uh, they're very hot. They're very hot for it. It seems like um, on a pretty pretty regular, well, over a long period of time, from time to time, I'm surfing around on social media, and I come across some sort of reference or picture of you flying some cool little airplane or having some great little aviation adventure. Um, I'm curious how you're doing, aside from your work with uh, with CAF, how's flying these days? Me personally, I am in a... Uh, uh, a point of... I am between airplanes right now, because uh -huh. I... Uh, I'm in the process of relocating to Dallas, which is the new headquarters of the CAF, and, and I hate living in a hotel, so I, I, I bought a little condo in Dallas, uh, but that meant I had to sell my Cessna 180, which was my pride and joy, oh, no. and so the only thing I've been flying, we've got a T-34 um, that's, that's, uh, that's based out of Dallas, so I've been able to, I've been able to you know, do some flying, but um, I made the fatal error of 
uh, starting to look for a new aeroplane before I've got the money for it. And, 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 and so I, I got it. You know, I'm, um, Barnstormers, you can set up a little standing search and it emails you every time something pops up. So I've been getting all these amazing, I, I really would like like a 90 horsepower Cub, uh, you know, like an early Super Cub, something like that. And I, it keeps sending me these beautiful aeroplanes, but I haven't got the money yet. So, I, so everybody on this, uh, listening to this, just send me some good vibes. I've got to get, got to get my house in Maryland sold. It's up for sale right now, and uh, if we can get that sold, I'll be, I'll be in the market for a new airplane. Outside of the uh, CAF stuff, what are any things you're looking forward to this week here at uh, Sun and Fun? Um, you know, it. it, it I guess Sun and Fun has branded itself a long time a spring break for pilots, and I think it is it's, it's a time where you know you're through the winter and you're waking up. It's, it's just just fun to be here and around aeroplanes and aeroplane people. I thought the announcement from EAA and Dynon today was uh, really a good one. And, oh yeah, the EAA um, SDC. I, yeah, I thought that was a that was a that was a coup actually, and and a, you know yeah, in, we, in just a few words, what was that announcement? That was um, that there is an STC that the EAA and Dynon have, have worked really hard to come up with together. Mm-hmm. So we can take a put in. Um, in certi- we can put uncertified avionics in certified aeroplanes and if, man if they've cracked that door open with the FAA and got an approval for that 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 could be profoundly helpful to the whole of aviation because we all know this you know anybody that flies certified aeroplanes is really cool stuff at really great prices but we can't use it and it's crazy because you know it's not it, you know there's a safety benefit to having it and things like that so i think getting that door cracked open i was it made me really happy to hear about that actually and you know i don't i don't work for the eaa anymore but i'd say you know hats off to them because that's that's uh, i'm sure there was a lot of work behind that yeah um adam anything we've you'd like to talk about that we haven't asked you about um you know, yes, there is something. My my friend, uh, my great friend Mike Bush. Who, I don't know if you've ever had Mike on your. That's right, I'm sorry, uh, I did want to ask you about uh, your name uh, came up this morning. Right, the uh, Sporties announcement. Yeah, it, um, my great friend Mike Bush, who uh, I'm sure you all know, is sure. is one of the been on the one, podcast. One of the great original yeah. thinkers in aviation. Um, I've, I've, I've been I've been in, I've been impressed for a long time by Mike, the little business that Mike runs, um, and uh, well, it's not a little business, a big I guess it's a big business, yeah. but it, it's. Um, the the Mike came to me when I worked at EAA, so we were going back five or six years, and he said, "I got this idea for a product um, that what about a breakdown service for aviation? So um, you know, think AAA for aviation." And Mike said, "Look, every every kind of motor vehicle on this planet." has got a breakdown service. You boats have breakdown services, RVs, snowmobiles, cars, everything, except aviation. Um, well, the reason aviation never had a AAA is it's really hard to do it. Uh, you know, you've got to have a network of mechanics and, and things like that. But Mike, in his, in his everyday business, because he works with so many mechanics, he realized that he created he'd created the network and the infrastructure to run a breakdown assistance service. So I must admit, I spent a couple of years trying to persuade EAA to do this program, and I guess I failed. Um, and then I worked for AOPA, and I tried to persuade AOPA to do this program. And then, finally, I was just so happy. Um, last year, at some point, I made the connection between Mike and Sporties, because um, you know Sporties are a great business with great marketing skill and things like that, and it's proved to be like the perfect connection. So with the sort of power of Mike's business and the marketing power of Sporties, I, I'm really interested to see how this goes so the basic idea is it's um it's a i think it's 149 a year subscription and 
um, you um, basically, you know, if, if you're flying around and you have a breakdown, now you've got someone to, to help you get, get back up in the so area. 24 hours a day. 24 7. Make a call and they'll help you. Going through the yellow pages trying to find a mechanic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, it, and you're de risking it as well because even, even if you did find someone in the yellow pages, you have no idea if they're a good mechanic or a bad mechanic or, you know, and there's. So having some. Having some quality control over that, having some oversight of how they handle your airplane, things like that. Having some expert assistance when you really need it, you know, is is uh, that's the that's the idea. It's something I can imagine a lot of our listeners wanting to check out you know, as he gets that up and running. But Mike's the ideal guy to start that. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, I want to thank you, Adam, for taking a few minutes here. I know you're racing around doing all your CAF stuff and just checking out the show, so we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Hey, I'm, glad, I'm glad to bump into you. It's always a pleasure. Adam Smith from the Commemorative Air Force. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. It's a beautiful day here at Sun and Fun, isn't it? What a nice day. It has been spectacular. It has been major sunscreen territory uh, and just in the last hour and a half, and it's uh, 4.30 here right now. Uh, we've started to get some nice puppies to uh, give us a little softer sunlight sometimes. Yeah. But now the forecast this morning was this might turn into some showers later this afternoon. But that that forecast has gone down from 20% to 10%, and oh, tomorrow's has gone from 30 to 20. Oh, excellent! I hadn't seen so that there's update. There's a good chance we get nothing but sunlight the whole week. So what are you looking for? What's going on? What have you seen that's interesting? Or oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. What's the party tonight? Uh, well, party tonight is the uh, memorial for my old friend Greg Ellsworth over in Paradise City. But of course. And that's a nightly deal that they're doing over there every night in Paradise City. Uh, there's a couple of other little things going on in the field that it wouldn't be fair to talk about because <laughs> I couldn't get any of the listeners in. <laughs> so we're having a good old time here at Sun and Fun 2016, and, uh, and it's still only day two. And uh, it's, it's just going to get better. This is 402 Alpha, yeah. and we'll it's talk four. to you again tomorrow. Exactly right.